Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Yisker sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. I generally think that guilt is not a productive emotion. There are cousins to guilt that can be productive, but guilt is usually psychologically damaging if it stays too long. But I want to make a confession on a somewhat recurring professional guilt that I experience. And I experience it when I see a member of the community a week or a month or a few months after a shiva was over. And I know that we were present for the death and the funeral and the shiva and that the meal trains worked and the praises for their loved one hopefully were comforting to them and they felt the embrace of the clergy and the interns and the entire community and then the shiva house emptied out and we all get distracted with life and a day goes by or a week goes by or a month goes by and I happen to run into the person in shul or in the supermarket or in the park and I see instantly in their eyes that of course they're still in pain they're still in mourning the emotional trajectory of mourning does not map out perfectly onto days of accounting that our tradition has given us over thousands of years and I feel a pang of guilt as I think through the dark nights that that person has experienced since the last time I checked in with them and were they feeling alone and not cared for and not the recipient of a sufficient attention. Perhaps you experience that as a friend and as a community member as well. I think it's a normal thing to experience. I don't think that the behavior that brings that guilt is sinful. Nothing that is so concentrated can persist. There's a reason Shiva ends. There's a reason a funeral is a few hours, not a few weeks. And even for the mourner, and especially for the mourner, since life can go on, life must go on. But it hurts to be reminded of relationships that circumstances have forced to be shunted to the periphery when the person is still in need. But maybe there's a tikkun. Maybe there's a fix to this little hole. I want you to imagine the following image. Somewhere in the 17th or 18th century in Germany, in the Jewish community. And it's the end of a yantif. Either it's the last few hours of Shmini Yatzeret, Simchat Torah, or the last few hours of the eighth day of Pesach like today, or the last few hours of the second day of Shavuot. And as you look at this little town in Germany in the 17th century, what you would see would be respectable elders and members and leaders of the kahal, of the kila, of the community, going around to the homes of people who live in the community, the chazan or the rabbi or the synagogue president or the community treasurer, going door to door, holding an instrument of some significance in their hands. It could be 
a parchment from the synagogue's library or one of the mantles of the Torah scrolls or some kind of holy text, you're allowed to carry on Yantif, so this would be permitted. And what's happening is that a representative of the community is going to a home, knocking on the door. The visit is somewhat expected. And the community member opens the door and an exchange happens. And this would happen in German Jewish communities for hundreds of years. What would be the exchange? Blessings for pledges. The representative of the community would offer a blessing to the household. And the household would offer some tzedakah to the community. That ritual was called matnat yad, the giving or the extending of a hand, representing the hand that would be given philanthropically in response to the blessing that was proffered by the community leader. Matnat yad. The primary function of this ritual is to raise funds. We all have our ways of making sure that the budget can be afforded. But something else was happening in that ritual too, three, four hundred years ago. There was an individual and an intimate connection between nearly every member of the community and some representative of the community. And just imagine what the person was reminded of when they knocked on those doors and the door was opened and they saw the face and they remembered, oh right, this person had a loss a month ago. Oh right, this person's husband or wife was sick. Oh right, I'm not just here to collect a coin. I'm here to offer the community's love. And then an organic fusion took place because those very days of the year, the ends of Yantifs, is also the day of Hazkarat Nishamot, of Yisker. While there, the representative of the community would also, in addition to offer a blessing, offer an El Malei Rachamim, a memorial prayer, or a Av Harachamim, a different memorial prayer, on behalf of loved ones lost by the inhabitant of that home. And over time, a natural elision took place in the same way that we now associate Mourner's Kaddish with death and loss. Originally, it was associated with learning that was also done in someone's memory. The learning kind of got taken out, and now we associate it as a death prayer. Over time, German Sidurim would refer to the service we're about to do, Yisker, as Matnat Yado. You would open up a German Sidur to page 242, and that would begin Matnat Yado, the giving of hands, originating in this ritual, which at some point became defunct. You see remnants of it in some versions of Yisker, where you get to the paragraphs and you're remembering every member of your community, and there's a phrase that doesn't appear in our version of it, but appears in many versions, Hare Ani Noder Tzedakah. Behold, I give tzedakah in memory of the person that I'm remembering. Now, it's a nice thing to give tzedakah in memory of a loved one. It can sustain the community and it can sustain the soul. But it's a nicer thing for the community to give attention, ongoing attention, to those who are remembering loved ones. It helps make the so easily forgotten individually remembered. What's our instinct when we stand for Yisker? Our instinct, understandably, is to go inward, 
we close our eyes and we hear the voices and see the faces of those who we loved and lost. Yisker is protected time for your personal reverie. It's legitimate to say that for those moments of Yisker, the only ones that exist in reality are you and the ones you're remembering. But what could Yisker be if it were inspired by that German matnat yado ritual? It might be that after you close your eyes, you open your eyes and you look around. Who else is here and has a tear streaming down their face? Who is not here today, but you remember now that you know they might be hurting? Who needs you to extend your, your hand in a matnat yad or your heart to them? Who needs for you to be there now because of who is not there for them and never will be again. We say Yisker four times a year. Aside from Yom Kippur, we say it on Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuot. This Yisker on the eighth day of Pesach always has another calendrical overlay, and that is the overlay of the period of the Omer, which transformed from a purely agricultural ritual in the Torah, took on a different feeling in the times of the Talmud associated with a bizarre plague that was killing off students of Torah and then overlay once again by the Kabbalah. The Kabbalistic overlay of the Omer is fascinating. Every week of the seven weeks of the Omer represents a different sphira, a different divine emanation that we're supposed to experience and emulate. And this Yisker always takes place during the first week of the Omer and the first week of the Omer is the week of Chesed. Translated colloquially into English English as loving kindness, in Kabbalah, it's a little more specific. Chesed is the purest love that can exist. Very different than an infatuating love of the Western world. Kabbalistic love is a transcending of self. It's the reminder and realization that you exist, of course, but so do others. And to love them is to see them in their fullest reality and make space for them in your reality. Chesed is selfless. Chesed is also connected to the notion of this reservoir of divine love in which we are meant to feel that we are bathing all the time. And we draw on that divine love in order to be loving and be filled with chesed towards another. The words of my friend and colleague, Rabbi Mark Morgolius, who works for the IJS, the Institute of Jewish Spirituality, Chesed or loving connection enables us to experience ourselves as immersed in an infinite, unbounded, luminous flow of unconditionally loving divine energy. A flow which surrounds, suffuses, and connects everyone and everything. In every moment, we can choose to facilitate or impede this uninterrupted flow of chesed, which the psalmist described as foundational to existence itself. Psalm 89, verse 3. The world is actually built on this notion of chesed. And through it, God, you establish your faithfulness even in the heavens. So God's, the world's chesed is everywhere and every time and even more palpably in our consciousness this week. And the eighth day of Pesach that we sit in today 
is always the seventh day of the Omer. And the 49 days of the Omer exist on a seven by seven grid. Because it's the seven weeks representing each Sirah, and each day of each week represents a subset of that emanation. And so the seventh day of the first week is referred to as Malchut Shabachesed. What aspect of love are we supposed to be in today in the seventh, eighth day of Pesach? A Malchut, a royalty, a nobility. Malchut is carrying yourself with dignity as if you wear part of God's crown on your head. You are worthy. You are deserving. Malchut Shebechesed means offering love to another from a place that reinforces your own humanity and self-worth. So that might be the most apt metaphor for Yisker. Standing for yourself, of course. And the love you've learned from those who are gone. And then harnessing those memories and transferring that emotion to those around it, around you, who need it as well. Is there a more appropriate way to keep a loved one's memory alive than by using that memory to help others remember their loved ones? I think that's the epitome of Malchut Shabachesed, the most regal, noble, and lofty way to love in life. In a few moments, I'm going to join you, those who choose to stay, and I encourage you to stay, particularly given what I'm staying today, whether or not you have someone from to say Yisker. And I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to go back through the generations of my family and imagine the family tree, the loved ones I knew and the loved ones just whose names that I know, And I'm going to speak to them and show my love to them in a realm that transcends a corporal presence. And then I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to see who else is here and who else is in pain. And hopefully I'm going to make an attempt to make you and them feel seen and held and cared for and loved in my own observance of Matnat Yad, something which I encourage you all to do as well. And so we say, and we mean it, Yehi Zichram Baruch, may those memories we do have indeed be a blessing to us, and principally so that they help us help others because we have the power to remember. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.